Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. For those who have decided to jump in on Dookie as their first episode, <laughs> that's right. What do we do, Matt? We we love to take an album each episode and reflect on it and think back about what made that particular album special or fun or or brings back you know good memories. Sometimes it's undeniably classic albums, or sometimes it's some it's an album that we wonder if it's held up uh, over time, or it might be something that's critically acclaimed that a lot of people may not know about but yeah it's just a, our opportunity to, to talk about great albums and today don't be afraid but matt we're not alone it's <laughs> <laughs> so dumb <laughs> <laughs> but i love it excited to have troy fairbank with us today good morning troy good morning thank you yes thanks for being here by the way thanks for having me yeah what are we reviewing today Today we're reviewing Dookie by Green Day. Troy, I'm glad you picked this album, and also, it really takes me back. Yeah. I know we'll get into memories, but immediately, this isn't one that I've sat with for years and years, but it was really intense there for a while, and uh, very impactful Mm -hmm. in uh, probably early college Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Should we jump into memories? Let's do it. The song? Yeah, that's right. The Barbara Streisand (laughs) song. Always. (laughs) Exactly. We always like to begin, Troy, with talking about our memories of a particular album. And so for you, where does Green Day begin? There was a guy in my homeroom class and he came in one day and he had the CD. The cover work obviously caught my eye. Mm -hmm. So I asked him about it. I was like, who's that? And he's like, oh, it's this new band. You got to get it. To me, it was different than anything I had ever listened to Mm -hmm. at that time or even through today. So I wasn't listening to that kind of stuff. So it was just very different. I listened to it all my senior year, all through mm-hmm. college. And even now, I'll, I'll go back to it and listen. I have a four-year-old son, and he knows if it's, a, if it's a Green Day song. Yeah. But honestly, if you ask me, Green Day is not one of my favorite bands. Yeah. But this album is definitely one of my top five albums ever. It's, they're kind of, to me, in that same vein as like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You, you mentioned like this is like a top five album for you. Yeah but you don't think of Green Day as like one of your favorite bands. I feel like the, the Chili Peppers have kind of kept their same general sound right. for years and years. And they're not what I think of as like one of my top bands, but then it, they come on the radio. I never change the station. I always, always love listening to it. So mm-hmm. I, I sort of categorize it as like acceptable punk. And I think that's why like, you know, my 12-year-old daughter likes it because the hooks are catchy. The songs are yeah. typically not super long. All right, Matt, what about you? What's your what's your memory of this? Uh, my memories of this also go back to my teenage years. And I was a little bit of a burnout, kind of wandered around. In my travels, 
I ended up jumping aboard the ship at the last minute, just seeking adventure. I mean, I was broke, so sure. I just ended up kind of hanging with, with the crew and you know some of those ne'er-do-wells, but man, we were having a blast on the ship. And mm-hmm. one evening I was up on deck and I was just staring out, taking in the long view. And I saw this woman, it looked like she was about to commit suicide. Ooh. So I helped her down. She was staying in the nice part of the, mm, the ship. Right. Her family had a lot of money and she was there. She was actually there with her fiance. Ooh. Yeah, which was a That's little awkward. weird. But this guy, he was he was a real chump. Because I saved her, though, she convinced her rich family to let me come dine with them, mm. which I thought was nice. I was happy to get some good food, but it was like pulling teeth to get a waiter to uh, even notice me up there because I was so poor. And her mom, man, she was a real basket case. She really didn't want anything to do with me. But, you know, this girl and I really, really fell for each other. But you know what? Her fiance found out about us and this guy freaked out. And well, actually, then we hit an iceberg. Oh, oh yeah. 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 I That's, forgot to mention that. <laughs> that uh, that, that did happen. And we're trying to help people get off the ship and, and escape and people are falling off the top. And But then her fiance is like really obsessed with keeping me from getting off the ship, which Man. I thought was a little weird. He chained me to a pipe. Jeez. But, you know, I mean, he's rich. So and I'm not. He, yeah. he can do that. Yeah. I'm, I, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's ocean law. The girl that loved me, or so I thought, jumped back on the ship, and she helped me escape. And this crackerjack of a boyfriend of hers gets a gun and starts shooting at us, which the ship's going down, man. Save yeah. yourself. Like, yeah. save your bullets, too. You might want to shoot some sharks or something. <laughs> I was able to help this girl get onto a... A life raft, or what was it? A floating door. door. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you've heard this story before. It's understandable. It would be kind of a weird memory. I'm sure it was traumatic. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't get all the details, right? That's right. Yeah, I helped her get on this door. But, you know, she's like, there's no room for you. I'm pretty sure there is. She's like, no, it, it won't float. I don't weigh that much. I'm poor and skinny. But, you know, she insisted on it. She's like, I'll love you forever. I was like, you can love me now. Let me on the door. She just like started rowing away and left me all the while saying she loves me, which a lot of mixed messages. That is, that is weird. Yeah. I ended up finding another door. Oh, good. And thankfully, I rode this wave to this island. In the end, they came and rescued me. The people who rescued me, they were like, man, have you heard this Green Day thing? And I was like, man. I just want some food and water. He's like, man, first things first. Have you heard Dookie? <laughs> no. Can you? I need some aloe for my sunburn. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you know what we soothe you? Trey Cool's sick beats. <laughs> and he was right. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't need aloe. So now every time I go to the beach, I get sunburned. I just, but on Green Day, kids. <laughs> Cut yourself in it. <laughs> oh, man. My memory is similar. I graduated in 94. For me, it was a going away freshman year. The Blue Album by mm-hmm. Weezer, Dookie by Green Day, you know, and it really was a huge album. I remember my friends and I coming home from Christmas break and in their living room playing these songs. And this is when the guitar strap started getting lower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. now it's time, yep. you know, because these guys, we just thought they were so cool and their style and everything. And we didn't have a drummer, so it was just three of us playing bass and two electrics playing these songs, mm-hmm. which does not translate well. Right. <laughs> kind of need drums. That's right. <laughs> Shaking in my hands, dragging my feet to hit the streets at night. Travel 
to me that that's that's the green day sound from this era catchy you write to it catchy chorus and gives you a good taste of what the rest of the album is going to be like i feel like i've just opened the door and walked into something that's already in progress like they get right into it heavy and fast but it's like upbeat and moving and it, it does give you a taste of kind of what's to come on the rest of the album but i just i just remember being like really impressed like it just starts at full speed yeah and interesting you mentioned upbeat because you know we mentioned earlier it's like almost acceptable punk right i remember you years earlier when i was like dipping my toe in like the skateboarding world the punk music there was not acceptable punk it was punk music about getting in fights and and maybe it's the production maybe it's just the song structures it comes across as like upbeat punk it's it's always given me a feeling of enjoyment and puts me in a good mood to hear it but it's a, it's just a really strange contrast how the music can feel so light and fast mm-hmm. and, and and upbeat but if you really listen to the lyrics like he's throughout the album he's talking about some really dark things mm-hmm. and things he's dealing with so it was it's like a night and day that just comes together between kind of negative topics in the lyrics but music that just makes you feel real good when those harmonies come in mm-hmm. on that chorus yeah. like that's a juxtaposition of this really dark message and then great harmony yeah, yeah. And that's that's what's funny about them is like I said, my daughter like absolutely loves Green Day, and and you you Matt you were even saying like as you were playing this weekend, you know Hazel was like oh what is this I really like this and mm-hmm. and and then you have to be careful because you're like oh you probably don't need to be listening to these lyrics. I don't remember the song, but it was the one where he talks about like going to visit a whore. Yeah, and you know because I was like she'll like this one, and then it got to that part. It's like, oh whoa 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 whoa! whoa. Yeah. yeah, he said hear the lion roar, sweetie. <laughs> that was a basket case. It's a weird juxta- juxtaposition in that of these really accessible hooks and choruses and harmonies with you know like you said Troy like yeah. pretty pretty dark lyrical content. Yeah, like you were reading the the lyrics. Literally, it's about a mass killing. Right, Right. he's gonna just take them all out. Mm -hmm. Is what he says. But that's not what I get from it. To me, I take from it: we're only gonna be like on Earth in this life for Mm -hmm. a while, and nobody gets out of this earthly life alive. Mm -hmm. So when you think about it, it really comes down to to nothing. Not that what you do here in your life doesn't matter, but if something doesn't go well, or if it's not in the scheme of things, it really doesn't matter. Right? You know. I mean, that's a concept that. As you're coming of age, yeah. you could struggle with these ideas. What does this all mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The whole feel of this album captures, if you are a teenager yeah, and no. you have those thoughts, this album is for you. Yeah. Right. Everything yeah. from the angst and the energy of it to like dealing with topics like that. Feeling like you're not part of like certain groups. And, yeah. 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 And even, even the, you know, the artwork, as you open up the CD, the sketches, mm-hmm. it's a pencil drawing. It looks like somebody drew this in their notebook yeah. in yeah. class, you know, in which high school. very much strikes the teenage chord. And that we're all basically the same age, but, and you've mentioned this before in other episodes, but when the music itself comes out in your time of your life, that mm-hmm. I'm glad I wasn't 10 or 25 when this album came out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, for me, it came out at like the right time. But again, I, I wasn't a kid that was like, 
really struggling with anything. Right. I feel like I had a, a great life. I didn't have I didn't have anything that was like really bothering me. So it didn't speak to me like I can identify with this guy. Oh, he gets what I'm going yeah. through. Not that at all. It yeah. was maybe I don't know. Now that I've got older, maybe it's more of an appreciation of things that other people are going through. It doesn't mm-hmm. really. That's not my story, but that's their story, and and right. I enjoy him telling those those stories. Mm-hmm. I'll sit around and watch the tube, but nothing's on. I change the channels for it now. One thing that helped you connect to it is the production on this album is really just capturing the live song. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's not a ton of overdubs or anything like that, aside from like harmonies or a second guitar or solo or something. But the bass, that sounds like something that my friend who played bass could play. Yeah. And not only could play, but it sounded the same. Yeah. <laughs> like when yeah. he played it through his bass amp in our house yeah. it sounded the exact same so you know there's something accessible about the way they played and you could get those distortion sounds through a boss distortion pedal like right. something that we had yeah it's kind of interesting that they chose that as the first single to me because i mean the whole album is like again really fast really upbeat and this one starts kind of slow so it's you're three songs in and finally they let off the gas a little bit mm-hmm. coming into this and not for long because they get back into it but it was probably really smart that they chose this as the first one to go out so get people kind of used to it versus just putting a heavy fast song you know for three minutes just 90 miles an hour mm-hmm. i wonder if it it had to do with the landscape of music at the time i'm sure the grunge had been huge yeah mm-hmm. this could lean towards that yeah. right in terms of the attitude and posture of it mm-hmm. and even the feel of it yeah you could even make the argument it's more grunge than punk yeah mm-hmm. uh and, and so maybe those record executives were <laughs> were trying to you know make the case for this what? the guy was like zip lining down through the amazon <laughs> he gets on his bluetooth and he's like longview's the one you know this ain't happening yeah <laughs> they're like we're a punk band you are what i say you are <laughs> Then he hops onto the back of a pelican and just soars off. <laughs> You're naming your album Wall of Doo Doo. No, not. Yes, you are. Fine, Dookie. <laughs> <laughs> He's always so negative. <laughs> but seriously, I guess I'm guessing that's why. Why? Is why that's the first single? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, you look at the singles. There were there were actually five singles from this this album. You know, you would think probably like. Welcome to Paradise or When I Come Around would be the logical like first ones to put out there. Yeah. But I think, Troy, to your point, like you hear those, they're great and, and they're probably going to be huge, massive hits. 
but they also sound more like the rest of the album. Yes. Whereas with Longview, you get a much more diverse sound yeah. from the band. And he's not really talking about paradise. What's he talking about? Unparadise. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I love about this album is they're clearly a hardworking, you know, touring punk band that was really trying to make it. And they go into the studio and they just go for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Trey Cool's drumming is essential, like mm-hmm. any punk band, but also. Uh, for them, that's it's one of the features. Yeah, uh, it's so energetic, and you feel that coming through. And it's so, it's not clean. No, Mm-mm. there are times when you feel the tempo start to slow down a little bit or speed up. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I love that. Yeah, mm-hmm. for this type of music and his drumming at times, some of those fills, you feel like, is he gonna make it? Yeah, you know. Yeah, and, he, yeah, yeah. and it's not because he's not good. It's just that that's what he's it's going intense. for. He's kind of leaning forward on the beat a little bit because it's punk. You know, and so he's really trying to like the sort of runaway train type thing where you're, where you're just trying to hang on, keep it on the rails. Yeah, and you feel that, especially in 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 this song. Apparently, this was about Billy Joe going into the Oakland, the punk scene, and moving out. And you, yeah. I mean, he literally talks about it with like, "Dear mother, it's been six months since I left your home." And, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's now feeling like home here. And I heard him before on an interview talking about this. I think uh, "Welcome to Paradise" is what they called this. I, I, I want to say it was like a. a empty warehouse where people just lived Mm -hmm. and were, you know, Mm -hmm. if you didn't have anywhere else to be or you were, you were, um, you know, trying to make it on your own or whatever. It was almost like a, a commune Mm -hmm. of like punks and Mm -hmm. other artists in, in just this like communal warehouse kind Mm -hmm. of setting. And I think, I think that was actually the uh, impetus for the Dave Matthews band song warehouse. (laughs) <laughs> Dave Matthews and them drove by and they're like ew <laughs> gross <laughs> all those hippies and punks is that your Dave Matthews impersonation uh, that was Stefan okay, okay. yeah, yeah I, was, I was impeccable Boyd is like you want me to go flex on him <laughs> and then uh, Leroy Moore is just like <laughs> <laughs> Don't 
So the story on this one apparently is uh, Mike Dirt was injured by his girlfriend. I don't think it was a a real domestic dispute. I think they were playing around, mm-hmm. and he ended up getting really hurt. And I I think that was the inspiration for this one. Huh. I I always thought it was a, he was going to the dentist. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <clears throat> and dreading it. Yeah. <laughs> there was probably a guy in that warehouse that just referred to himself as a dentist. Yeah. <laughs> He, he just took it on himself to do all the dental work in there. Lay back, young man. Yeah. <laughs> this hurts you more. No, actually, this hurts you more than it hurts me. Yeah. Yeah. You're a dentist? Aren't you homeless? I'm not homeless. I live in this warehouse <laughs> with you. <laughs> they have, like, you know, all the different roles in the warehouse. There's the dentist and the... The doctor. The doctor. The uh, the attorney. Retirement specialist. The attorney. The attorney. <laughs> Got them this contract. <laughs> That's right. As I listened over the weekend, this song reminded me how much more than punk they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. thinking back to college, I thought, this is a punk band. And then when I listened to this album, you can make the argument, no, it's not. Yeah. yeah. You could choose a song and say, this is why they're not a punk band. Right. And then mm-hmm. you could choose another song and say, this is absolutely why they're a punk band. Right. right. You know, to their credit, they're able to do all of those mm-hmm. really well. This song sounds to me like a late 50s mm-hmm. rock song. You could yeah. take this back to then, change the production a little bit, maybe slow it down a little bit, mm-hmm. and it would fit. Yeah, this is one, uh, listen to it, thinking, okay, that's why those punks banned them. Yeah. Like, because, yeah. I mean, lyrically, it, it's punk maybe but like you know sound wise it, it's it's like you said matt that's what i hear is this could be a song like that a buddy holly could have done yeah. mm-hmm. you know yeah, yeah. it's a, i mean it's again it's just amazing how you can have all these things that are seemingly very very different but they put it all together and and that i think that's why i like them i, I tend to like the the slower lighter songs by them mm-hmm. I, I enjoy the fast heavy stuff but i guess if they're not going so fast and just screaming their lyrics about hateful things and they're not a punk band but they're punk for me yeah, <laughs> I guess. Right, right. But, you know but they're also pop and rock and they're and they're all those things and and they don't fit into one little box and that, that, that's what makes them good i think i think that's what made them so accessible to the suburbs yeah this kind of grabbed all these high schoolers and college students who were into grunge and the different things going on at the time and then pulled us in and then we love the punk yeah. but i don't think that the vast majority of people who bought this album would be into a whole album of Basket Case. Right. Yeah. They Or Burnout. They, mm-hmm. they like you said, they want some different things going on. Yeah. I don't know enough about particularly Billy Joe Ar- you know, Armstrong, what his background or how he was raised or, or any of that. Because, I, I mean, I'd be curious to know, like, if I had to guess, he, he probably was raised on, you know, things like the Beatles and the Beach Boys and very melodic pop strong uh song structure songs and then you know life throws you curveballs and you, yeah. you you veer more towards like a, a punk sensibility but you've still got all that yeah. in your dna essentially yeah. and and, then, and it comes out in, in songs like that one in particular yeah i know he's said before um the band husker do mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. like a huge influence for him yeah he listened to a lot maybe one of his favorite bands i don't yeah that makes sense yeah. and also they're you know they're more post-punk yeah and yeah. so you could see where it's not just the pure ramones or sex, sex pistols, pistols influence to where they're just going to become a punk band he heard other things going on in yeah and mm-hmm. husker do apparently he and mike Durnt met in elementary school yeah 
been your lifelong friend making music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, by the way, Mike Dirt is not his real name. What's his real name? What's his last name? Something like Pritchard or something like that? I don't know. That's lame. He, he, well, <laughs> apparently he took Dirt because he'd walk around all day practicing <laughs> air <laughs> bass. Forky <laughs> 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 Bork. Mike Bork. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Billy Joe. This is the Swedish chef of our crew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, they they said that he would he was always practicing like air bass and he'd make that sound. And so I guess it stuck. Before them, the last punk single I remember being a big deal was the Pet Cemetery song that the Ramones had. Oh, for the Pet Cemetery too. I don't want to be buried in a Pet Cemetery. Yes, I think that was from the second album. Yeah, the second movie. Because that was a big deal that it became a hit for them because they never had any hits. Right. Other than that, was there any punk going on? At the time. I can't think of anything close to this time. And back in the 80s, you had The Clash. Yeah, even The Clash in the 80s was more that pop stuff. Rock the Casbah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine people being like, oh yeah, Rock the Casbah is what got me into punk. I don't know. It's a big deal that they kind of brought it to the mainstream. Yeah. People were ready. This is your favorite? This is my favorite. That's my, my favorite song. Man, don't album. get on that bandwagon. <laughs> this is I called favorite. It, called yeah. it first. Oh, you got dibs. I got dibs. Shotgun. <laughs> called Shotgun on that one. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I just, I love it. It, it, it. Again, it starts. I love of, it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it starts slower. Um, I, I like the feel of it at the very beginning, but then it, it ramps right up and gets back into what you expect from them. We've talked about how they were sort of this accessible punk. And, yeah. you know, you could be a kid from the suburbs and, and get into this. And I, I remember uh, thinking, this is the kind of songs that, like, my garage band could also do. Which band? <laughs> maybe, maybe Still Life? Wait, you had a band called Still Life? Yeah. How many bands did you have? <laughs> did you have a band called Still Life? I did have a band called Still Life. <laughs> it doesn't have a. It doesn't have like a techie name to no, it. No, it doesn't. We were evolving they were no at technical that point. difficulties. <laughs> no, no. no. We, we, what, we had evolved at that what's point. What's the other one? Technical difficulties. Troubleshooter. Troubleshooter. <laughs> yes, I love it. Oh man! And so this is when. Where does this fall in the? Uh, like the third band, second? Where's um, it Still Life. So Still Life, uh, I say it was a band. It was really me and my friend Stan. He was on drums. I was on guitar. That's all it takes. Yeah. yeah. Still Life was after the other two. Okay. But before, uh, I'll save the, I'll yeah, save, I'll save save the other band. They yeah, got yeah. it. They're slow <laughs> release. More. Yep. Yeah. Leave that um, carrot out there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Leave them wanting more. But yeah, I mean, but this is the kind of, you could have a, you know, a drummer and a guitar and yeah. you, some power chords mm-hmm. and play a lot of these songs. And, yeah. and I think that's another reason why it was such a an accessible album. And lyrically, the, this is one of the songs, I guess, without reading the lyrics, I could understand what he was saying too, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, it was kind of cool because, again, in 1994, 1995, senior in high school, 
you're thinking about what the next chapter of your life or what your future is going to be. You're, but this song was always like, you know, whatever little box your life you've been told is supposed to be mm-hmm. like, you're going to, you can just break out of that or, or, or find a different way on your own. You're, I like the lines about she's figured out all of her doubts were someone else's point of view. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just mm-hmm. don't let other people's concerns project onto you and, and, you know, hinder your choices in the future, I guess. Yeah. I think teenagers in general can relate to this yeah. song mm-hmm. and, and feeling like, again, like you're just part of a system and you're trying to figure out individuality. Right, right. We don't need no education. Edu- what's, what's that? Is that a song? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just, that's just my, my political platform. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, Wikipedia said that she was a, like a radio single, but I don't ever remember hearing that on the no, radio. Yeah. Not no radio yeah, where yeah. I live. It was, it was the last it. single. Yeah. Oh, they released it on Cinco de Mayo. That's why <laughs> <laughs> they thought it was C. <laughs> This was a big song. Yeah, huge. What single was it? Uh, the fourth one. Was it the biggest biggest song? Definitely one that you can still hear played today. A lot of times if a, yeah. if a Green Day song comes on Sirius XM or whatever, they oh, do we, we can't give them a plug. They didn't pay for that. Sorry. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> they will. <laughs> yeah, they will. I was, I was trying to look up the where these songs charted, but you know, another thing from, you know, again from Wikipedia, it says, along with the offspring smash, Dookie has been credited for helping to bring punk rock into mainstream music. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Is the Got offspring it. considered punk? I don't know what they're considered. <sighs> I don't consider them. I don't consider them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I probably did think of them as punk at one point mm-hmm. in a similar vein, just because I didn't really know any better. They annoyed me the way that some punk annoys me. Does that count? <laughs> yeah. All right, Matt, so Billy Joe Armstrong, he's inviting you to have a sleepover with him in that nasty <laughs> warehouse unless you take a song off his album. So if you had to remove one song off Dookie, what would it be? Yeah, for me, I mean, they're, they're, this is a really, really tough one because I feel like there are you know, 13 and a half really, really good you know, pop punk songs on this album. Um, but if I had to remove one song, it would probably, probably be Chump.
mean, that's that's the one that you know, as I always say, if, if would the album still hold up? And uh, I, I think easily you remove Chump and the album still holds up. I agree with you, Matt. I've thought about this because I know you guys asked this question. Uh, Chump to me, I would drop that. It's it's less than three minutes long, which most of them are, but it's only about a minute and a half really of the song. And mm-hmm. the other minute and a half is like this really extended outro slash intro into Longview. Mm-hmm. So I would take Chump off. What about you, Matt? What song would you take off this album? I think for me, it'd be FOD. Something's on my mind. It's been for quite some time. It's time I'm on to you. I like my Green Day. Plugged in. And plugged in. And Trey Cool uh, (laughs) behind the kit. So I'd be fine if it ended before in the end, too. I don't love that one either. Well, Troy... I'll be honest. When Matt was telling me you wanted to do Dookie, I was even texting him like, "Didn't he say he wanted to do Wilco also?" You know, it's like because <laughs> I, I had this memory of this album just being this punk album that I liked in in college, and I walked away from this weekend after listening to this album being really impressed with uh, Billy Joe's songwriting, his lyrics. Not from a oh, this captures my heart or this right. is Bob Dylan, mm-hmm. but in terms of his ability to write simple lyrics incredible melodies yeah i mean he's got mm-hmm. hooks all over this album that's what made hooks, so, for, days. hooks for days <laughs> i'll say it was much more than just kind of a punk album that i had categorized it as yeah. so thank you yeah thank you i appreciate you having me we hinted on this before and i don't know if, if um just thinking about 1994 was like a huge year like you think about a lot of careers started or we the world was introduced to a lot of bands like Green Day, mm-hmm. Weezer, mm-hmm. Under the Table Dreaming, mm-hmm. uh, oh, Nine Inch yeah. Nails, Downward, uh, Downward Spiral came out that year. Um, Beck's first album came out. So mm-hmm. this album came out in a scene of a lot of other incredible music at that time. But 25 years later, I still enjoy it. That's that's why it's a good album. Yeah, and don't forget The Offspring. That's right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I Was think they came out the same year. <laughs> also, Here Comes the Hot Stepper was 1994. Oh. <laughs> Same. So, well, I'm sure we'll do an episode. Well, yeah, at least one. <laughs> one. Who is that? Aini Kamozi. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Can I stay because I know that or do I have yeah. to get out because I know <laughs> that? That's well, impressive. We should just go ahead and do that episode now. <laughs> yeah, here we go. <laughs> no, this, this has been a lot of fun. Troy, thanks for sitting in and doing this and, and suggesting this album. Uh, it's been it's been a uh, enjoyable time to go back and revisit it. And yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's, it's an album that you still hold up really really well and i look back on the time when i was listening to this album a lot as it, it was a, a very you know good time and yeah. in, in probably most of our lives are you, are you listening? Are you, are you listening right now yeah, thanks again for listening to this and our other episodes. And as always, we invite you to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Finest Work Songs and send us an email at finestworksongs at gmail.com. Always love to get uh, suggestions for uh, other albums to talk about. We'll see you next time. And until then, like Bobby Brown, we hope you keep humping around. Our theme song is by the incredible band Medium Heat. This track is called Radio, and you should check them out at mediumheat.bandcamp.com. 
And check out any upcoming shows if you are in the Raleigh area. They are on Facebook at Medium Heat Music.